Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 269 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we are coming to you right after the Kings beat the, almost at 76ers for some reason, the Trailblazers. Uh, first game after the All-Star break, and the Kings started out well with a win. All right. Uh, let's get into it before, well, before we get into it, actually. Jesus can't can't speak right now. Uh, Fong is with me, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> okay, anyway, so this game started out really ugly. Like, uh, so I have it written here, it was 19-4 to 4, uh, Blazers. Now, normally I would say, you know, to a certain degree it's understandable, maybe like, you know, Dane's got it going, Jeremy Franz torching the Kings, Anthony Simons is on a heater. No, none of those guys were playing. Not even Nurkic was playing. This was their starting lineup. Drew Eubanks, Cam Reddish, Nasir Little, Matisse Thybul, and, and Ryan Archie Diacono. That was their starting lineup. And they got out to a 21-4 and uh, run to open the game, and things just looked dire. And also, to a certain degree, expected. but And that's actually somewhat disappointing. Yeah, there was like a running joke in Reddit where it's like, when you have all the starters, even all stars out from, you know, on a what you call injury break, whatever, and you bring in the second string, third string guys, you know, the Kings are gonna blow this. <laughs> yeah, because they do this kind of stuff. Like, remember, like when we lost, like those, um, when we could just couldn't beat teams on second night of back to backs. Despite them being worn out, the Kings looked worn out for some reason to start the game. Mm-hmm. But, and it, now, to to the Kings' credit, the 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 Blazers did hit some bullshit shots. Like they hit some bullshit threes in the opening quarter. And you know, there's only so much you could do with that. But also, like on offense, they didn't have a rhythm. They turned the ball over. They wouldn't weren't playing defense. So it was it was kind of set out to be a really ugly game for the Kings. But that's basically where most of the negatives end because as the game went on, they got their rhythm on offense and the defense slowly picked up and they basically just showed, yeah, we're more talented than the Blazers and kind of wiped the floor with them afterwards. Although I will say, give credit to the Blazers. They did hung around. They did hang around for a lot longer than they should have. Yeah, they, the Blazers were definitely trying to ball us out, especially Nasir Little. My gosh, like first three quarters, he was hot. He was red hot. Uh, rest of the team was, I mean, you, you could say it's here and there, but dear goodness, like no, we couldn't stop Nasir Little for the life of us. Nasir Little's got game, although it's it's kind of the same thing. I thought the Kings did okay on him on a lot of on a lot of shots he made. Like he had a lot of step backs, and you know, like there were points where like Harrison Barnes is all over him, gives him a teeny bit of space, and he steps back for a for a step back jumper. Like not much you can do about that. It just proves to me Nasir Little got a little got got some, he's got some game, and you know he kept the Blazers in this game for the longest time until you know he kind of ran out of gas and. The Kings finally decided to turn the Jets on and, you know, end the game, basically. Yeah, and I felt like Darren Fox throughout the, you know, all four quarters played really well, too, including defense. Yeah, like, so, like, on offense, he basically was unstoppable. Like, he just kept driving to the rim, and the Blazers didn't have anyone for him. They just didn't. And, you know, like, he took advantage, and... 
he he basically showed a master class of just you know getting by your man slowing down and just being able to hit something in the paint he is legit one of the best finishers in the league he's just got great control great deceleration and you know nobody can stay in front of him and when he gets to the rim it's pretty much automatic like he's got a floater he can finish like around just around over and through guys like it's a it's a master class at this point mm-hmm. and they did have matisse Feibel, though he wasn't able to stick on fox most of the time after you know just a couple switches and the rest of the team you know can't really stop him well that was another thing like he didn't really guard the air because they were playing two three zone the blazers were playing two three zone for much of the game and to start the game it actually did affect the kings like the kings do struggle with zone they they like guys just don't move around like they don't know how to attack it specifically a lot of the time but as that's kind of where as the game went on the kings just got more comfortable they were getting open looks and after a while, they finally like took him out of zone, and that was kind of when the floodgates opened because the king, they, the Blazers just don't have any rim protection. Like their guys aren't really great at on ball defense either, and that's kind of where the floodgates opened for them. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I'm looking at the stats, and the one player that played more than thirty minutes is a bonus. The rest of the guys play white mid-20s probably even less than that throughout the squad including the bench yeah I was surprised I thought I thought it felt like De'Aaron played like 30 and like Sabonis played 36 but only 32 this game and the only reason why it's that high they wanted to give him the triple double like Mike Brown immediately called a timeout after he got his final assist and he and that like final assist kind of hung around for a little bit I'll just say yeah yeah but uh you know quickly talk about just some guys on the on the blazer cam reddish i will say like he he had a decent enough game like no one is around he's gonna like there's the stars are out so he's gonna be able to cook a little bit i will say for what what is he a fourth or fifth year player he still does a lot of like rookie stuff like you know the the talent is there like the pieces are there like you know he can get to the rim he can like extend he can use his body but like he still hasn't been able to put it together where you know he it's a lot of unpolished moves like he makes some nice moves he won't he but he can't finish he has like bad footwork he sometimes forces the issue a little bit he still just weirdly enough does a lot of rookie mistakes despite being a fourth year player i i don't know like i i had always said like in the back of my mind like hey maybe you know it's trey for cam reddish take a look at him see what you got he ain't playing for mike brown i'll i'll tell you that right now <laughs> yeah i mean Hopefully, I don't know if it'll be the Trailblazers, not going to lie. Hopefully, he finds the time to, you know, I don't want to say develop, like, have the opportunity to play more, maybe. Maybe he'll, like, and I'm going to use this word again, develop something for that team. Maybe the Trailblazers, maybe it could be someone else. For sure, I got to say, he kind of reminds me of Josh Jackson in a way, but a slightly better version in my opinion yeah when you have to compare someone to josh jackson is not great um but like <laughs> the same thing with josh jackson the pieces are there and you know like if he can just put it together like that'd be great and hopefully he can't figure it out because he's got talent but it's just he just can't put it all together and i wonder if it does happen like i, I always wonder why he didn't play in new york 
you kind of saw why kind of a really inefficient score uh, again like really like unpolished for a guy that's in his fourth year or fifth year at this point like you know we'll, we'll see but another guy was really interested in um Shane Sharp really disappointing from him like he's still he's a rookie there's, there's only so much you can do um but he's really got a smooth shot he is definitely thirsty um granted no one was the stars were out so he could afford to be a little thirsty but just yeah just did not impress me as much as he did his first game where he was hitting step back threes over guys and you know like keeping keeping the blazers in the game to for them to find you know ultimately win that game but this game not all too impressive yeah after pretty much the first quarter and maybe some in the second he was pretty forgettable i mean he was out for pretty much most of the time i would say because i mean he barely tries on the defensive end yeah and you know like De- like De'Aaron, De'Aaron, every time like uh, on the other side De'Aaron saw food <laughs> like it was <laughs> it was time to eat every single time and you know he's he, i want to see how he develops he he's got talent but you know the p again so you talk about pieces being there like this dude can jump out of the gym his jump shot is is beautiful he's really smooth but like you you can tell he didn't play in kentucky like he definitely (laughs) like just skipped a year and just doesn't have a lot of that doesn't have a lot of like the basic stuff down and i think he will figure it out he could be even a star honestly but right now it's not there but like a lot there's a lot of stuff to like and he's you know he's really young so yeah, I mean, first year, it'll it'll take time. I, I give it three years maybe for him. Okay, let's get to the Kings a little bit. Uh, Sabonis triple double just did his thing. Did have some trouble scoring against the zone, and, and kind of disappointed with that, just because like they they literally had no center for, for Sabonis. I mean, Eubanks, whatever you think of him, he was he's not good. So like he needed to torture these guys a little bit more, but. You know, he did what he needed to do. He was the fulcrum of the offense, and he did his job. Uh, Harrison Barnes, like, kind of just did his thing. You know, like, I, he wasn't, like, overly aggressive, but I wouldn't say he was passive. I think it was a very balanced game from him. What did you think of how he played? Yeah, I think he, how would I say it, did what he knew what he could do, <laughs> I guess you could say. Like, he knew, like, he drove to the rim, made his layups, got those and ones and uh, fouls and that's pretty much all he really needed to do other than you know play some defense this is a thing i'm gonna keep i'm gonna like espn 1320 has got me looking at his rebounding three rebounds not great oh wait why do you mention that because he's like literally averaged like three four rebounds a game for like the past few months and mm-hmm. for a guy that's six eight and for a team that struggles to rebound he's gonna need to step it up a little bit yeah i mean looking at the bot score i mean 18 rebounds from sabonis yeah since... grant yeah to be very like sabonis gobble up everything but like you we saw like how they struggled in the first half where they just couldn't get rebounds like harrison mm-hmm. does need to step up in those moments and same with keegan two rebounds yeah, I mean, if it were any other team that's, you know, has the size advantage, definitely we would see Or just it. have, you know, NBA players. <laughs> no offense <laughs> to a lot of the guys, but like just, and like starter caliber players. Yeah, it'd be a different story. So I don't know. We it, we barely see many guys uh, 
try <laughs> to rebound, I guess you could say. I mean, there's a bonus, sure, but other than that, maybe you'll have one other guy and that's it. I guess we should, I don't know, crash the glass sometimes, maybe attempt to <laughs> box out some more. I mean, who knows? Yeah, we'll we'll see if that's like just looking at the two starting forwards, you just can't have that. <laughs> like just five rebounds between the two of them. I know Sabonis gobbled up basically all the rebounds, but you, you need more from your forwards. Mm-hmm. Um Keegan, I thought was pretty good, just didn't try to do too much. Great like he hit his open threes and also had a little Dirk Lake fadeaway that was really, really nice. Yeah, that was pretty nice. It's probably the only uh whatchamacallit random play we get to see from him other than you know his usual stuff i'm interested in how his development is because like my biggest thing with him like he had no handle in college basically and you know that that would that basically limited like how what a lot of people like perceived of his ceiling i want to see if he can add like a little bit of an off the dribble game i'm not telling him to blow by guys or anything but just to be able to get to your spot like for example like that little dirk lake fadeaway like is that going to be a go-to move for him like in the future yeah, I guess we'll see uh, once you know the off season comes around. Yeah, because he's already already like a lethal shooter from beyond the arc. Like if he can just add like literally just about anything in his offensive game, like that would be gravy. Oh yeah. Uh, Fox, as we mentioned, was pretty much unstoppable. Uh, Eleven for fifteen for thirty-one points, and it felt somewhat effortless from him. He just kind of did his thing. Yeah, I mean, he wanted those calls from the refs. Sometimes he didn't get it, so why not drive in some more? And, you know, he's pretty much unstoppable against this uh, second, third string Portland team. Uh, Kevin Herter, I thought, was okay. Well, he still is struggling with his outside shot, but he still is able to contribute, like, just by going inside. Like, he's just a smart player and just knows how to play basketball, is how I like to just describe him. Yeah, not going to lie, I didn't really see him much from um you know the later quarters uh mostly you saw uh you know the bench unit to be honest well let's start with uh the agent of chaos off the bench terrence davis six for ten four for five from three for 20 points he was really really good this game fuck he can he can just be an absolute adventure so like this is kind of the agent of chaos so in the first quarter nine points uh nine points three turnovers and two fouls just he is all over the place but like you you appreciate the energy he does bring and like he he was he was really thirsty for a shot this game and there's an argument to be made i feel that he's the best shooter on the team i mean it it is a pretty good argument the only thing i do not like from him i'm gonna be honest is him handling the ball at times then again he is a better handler than buddy <laughs> who is also a pretty good shooter look casey was like on was the first i'm uh, one of the first people on the train like terrence davis is better than buddy healed and functionally yeah pretty much like you know he he earns like you know a, a like a quarter not even a quarter like 10 percent of what buddy makes and basically does the same thing and arguably is a better player to a certain degree yeah and you know just it, I, he just doesn't get opportunities and i don't know if it will be here in sacramento but like if he gets the opportunity to like start 
like I think he can contribute. He but he is inconsistent. But this yeah. game, you got the agent of chaos, and it's and it kind of gave the boost that the Kings needed, despite some of the bad stuff. Oh yeah, I definitely could see it, and he is a better defender in a lot of ways compared to Buddy, and I I would say arguably one of our I want to say top five defenders in our team, maybe. He's 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 a he's he's not going to shut anyone down, but he'll make people work. Like he yeah. guarded Luca for much of the for much of the Mavericks team, and I thought did as well of his job as you can. And you ain't doing that with Buddy. Like you know, just no <laughs> no shot to him. Uh, one more thing, I watched the Indiana versus Celtics game today. Oh boy, there were times where like Jalen Brown had Buddy healed on him. And for whatever reason, called over a screen to bring like Miles Turner into the play. Same thing with Jason Tatum. Jason, same thing with Jason Tatum. Had like Tyrese and or Buddy on him and would call for a screen for a better defender. And what are you doing? Attack. There's the mismatch. The food. It's right in front of you. (laughs) Go attack. But anyways, Buddy's been been a lot better in Indiana as far as I know. So, you know, credit to him. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying like Terrence Davis, like he is a good like replacement level player and a, a, a huge luxury for the Kings. And I just wish he played more, but like, you know, again, some of the mistakes you saw why he doesn't play sometimes. Yeah. Those turnovers, man. That's why I say sometimes when he handles the ball, he, I don't know. And the passes too. I I think he needs to slow it down at times. Plus 18 though. So good for him. Oh, <laughs> um, oh yeah. Uh, Malik Monk in the same vein, plus 18, six for 10 uh, from the field for 15 points. You know, looking real good. Like after looking like he had really badly injured his ankle, he had a pep in his step. He was attacking the rim. He was aggressive. He was playmaking. You know, the good Malik Monk. Oh, yeah. Not good. I thought he was going to be out for a little bit longer. Maybe we'll see more TD during the, uh, that time. But anyway, it's great to see Malik back, especially with that connection with Sabonis. Davion, I thought was overall pretty good. Um, just you know, played a signature good defense. Took a me- pretty mean charge from Shane Sharp and got right back up because he's tough as hell. Um, and yeah, he hit a three. I thought he was overall pretty good. Oh yeah, and they did mention. I, I, I'm kind of surprised myself. Top ten in uh, drawing charges. I mean, he does league. draw a lot. He is probably like he's definitely the leading charge guy. But you know, last year he wasn't getting the benefit of the benefit of the doubt at all. This year he is, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of makes sense. I am surprised he's in the top 10 too. Yeah, definitely, you know, kind of learned from uh, his time from last year, even though most of those charges felt why it should be charges. Yeah. Um, Metsu and Lyles, just like, I thought Metsu was kind of bad, actually. <laughs> like, on de- at least on defense, just kind of let guys blow by him, to, just doesn't know when to help. But overall, he did his job, you know, rebounded very well for the limited time he was on the floor. Trey Lyles, I really like. Like, he he's just a player who knows how to play. And I love it when he, like, turns up the intensity and gets into guys. Like, when he was guarding Nasir Little, like, he was getting up into him. Or, like, Trenton Wofford. Like, all up, all up in their chest trying to apply pressure. And unfortunately, you just don't see enough of that. Like, especially with the forwards on the Kings. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just good. It's just good to see Trey Lyles play. Yeah, I would also say Trey Wiles is kind of a luxury white TD. Exactly, but like he plays a lot, a lot more. So I, I, I don't know. Like I, ever, I consider like TD and Rashawn like luxury players because like the Kings just have them sitting on the bench most of the time, you mm. know. And like they're very good players. So, 
Um, okay, well, that's all I have for the players. Anything else you want to mention about the game? No, I mean, it was a good game. We won. I was kind of scared in that first quarter because, you know, the prophecy was going to come true, but it didn't. <laughs> yeah, um, just uh, the Kings need to find a way to start out better. Like, again, you're lucky you went up against replacement-level players. Like, against a decent enough team, like, you let them get a big lead like that. It can be a bit tough to dig yourself out of that hole. And the best way to not be in that hole is to never get into it in the first place. But the Kings always do this, and they're they're gonna they're, they're just going to stress out Kings fans. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. And at the moment, we're only two games behind Memphis from the second seed. Oh, yeah, because they lost against the 76ers. Yeah. Now we're, what, one and a half games above the Clippers? So We, that... we could be two and a half after tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. I or mean... we could be a half game above them. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I believe Zubach is ruled out. I don't know if that's going to affect anything. Their two stars are there. Mm, yeah. Like, you know what that means? Going to see some left-handed shots from Mason Plumley. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. And Re- oh, I mean, Russell should be there too, right? I think he's going to start. Oh goodness! Which, yeah. Look, I, I look Russ. Like I'll say this: since they since they're he's not earning forty million dollars, there that could like change his role a little bit. I would like to see what happens when he's not closing. Is he gonna make a? Is he gonna throw a huge fit on the bench? Well, we'll see. I mean, whoever their backup point guard is, I'm hoping to see more. If I were the Clippers fan, uh, yeah, they're keep, keeping Bones Highland on the bench, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a bad idea, I'd say. Well, we'll see. I he, I think he can help the Clippers. He could definitely hurt the Clippers too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, one just one quick question uh before I move on to the to another topic. So I've been listening to a lot, like so beginning of the year, I had said if the Kings just like win 40 games, I'm pretty happy for the most part. Like I think I even said this at, at the time. If they're just this year's Cleveland from last year, where like they have a good season, but they ultimately fall in the play-in. And don't make the playoffs like i would be satisfied with that outcome there there has been a lot of discussion on espn 1320 like you know we're the third seed right now it would be very disappointing if we falter down the stretch and don't make the playoffs like like let's just say we make the play in would you be disappointed at this point no i i'd say uh I actually don't know. Now that you, uh, now you got me thinking. I'd say I would be a little disappointed if it were the plan. But if we were in the top eight, I wouldn't be as much disappointed. Well, let's honest. just say you're the seventh seed. Would you? Would you be happy with that? Result? Oh, oh, of course. First time in the playoffs in what sixteen years? No, no, no. I mean, like you're still going to be in the plan. Let's just say you lose as the seventh seed. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I might be a little disappointed. <laughs> Look, I don't disagree with you. That would be very disappointing, especially where we are now. But I'm saying, like, with the be- with the expectations at the beginning of the year, I feel I would be pretty satisfied overall with the season just because you finally are relevant. 
and you finally like taste of just a teeny bit of winning like I think that's fine I know it doesn't break the playoff streak and it goes on to being 17 years but like that I think that would be a great step forward for the for the franchise and I wouldn't I, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me oh yeah that's for sure I mean what do we predict well you predicted 40 I had said 41 41 mm-hmm. so I mean as long as we make those goals, I mean, I'd be happy. I, this I is... mean, I mean, just think about it this way: if they go, let's see, if they go, if they go eight of, well, I don't know, seventeen, I think they can actually reach forty-one, forty-one, yeah, forty-one, forty-two, which, technically. So, which you know, is eight sixteen, which is. It sounds pretty ridiculous, but I haven't looked at the rest of the schedule to, you know, determine whether or not how hard our uh, schedule is for the rest of the season. But, I mean, by how we're playing right now, I'm pretty sure we could make it work to, you know, have a better record than what we have predicted. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if like if they didn't go eight of sixteen and somehow still make forty-one, forty-one, it means you did good at the beginning of the season and you took advantage of the stretches that mm-hmm. were, you know, given to you. Because the rest of the rest of the season, it's a bit of a bloodbath. Like, you're going to be fighting against a lot of conference rivals. You're going to be fighting a lot against playoff teams. It's not pretty, but like the Kings have built themselves enough of a cushion to be able to very much exceed expectations in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And that that is that accounts for something. It would be disappointing if they lost in the play-in. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be the end of the world for me because also they could make moves in the off season. Oh yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we'll make those moves. You know, come back stronger. And uh, you know, I mean, we have the ex- we now have the experience. Now we could go further than what we uh, have accomplished this season. Okay. Last topic before um, you know we throw to I guess a commercial break. I, don't, I actually don't know how that works anymore. But um, <laughs> so the Hawks fire Nate McMillan. They didn't mm. even wait till the end of uh, the end of Black History Month. They didn't even bot. They didn't even bother to like you know I guess wait till the end of the season. They just said fuck it. <laughs> it we're we're done with this. We're we're gonna move on. It's a new regime. It's time for something new. What were your thoughts when you first heard the news? Or did you just hear about the news just now? Oh, no, I saw. I saw the news. Um, yeah, I I mean, I thought the Hawks are doing relatively okay. I mean, I mean, yeah, I kind of expected at the end of the season <laughs> to, uh, you know, make that kind of move. But, uh, I mean, sure. <laughs> Go right ahead. I don't know if it's a trading or you know a team thing but uh i would say it was a win for uh whatchamacallit nate mcmillan uh, to get out that organization you know i just missed a pretty big opportunity to say you know speaking of making moves um but yeah i it's not good for the hawks i'll just i'll just say that to start with you trey and that like play that like group has gotten two coaches fired already Within the span of three years, mind you. Wait, yeah. So 2021. Yeah, it's basically within the span of three years. I've fired two coaches. So there is definitely an issue with Trey. Like, the 
he, he, you know, he's a bit of a ball hog, like doesn't move off the ball, plays no defense. And there have been well-documented issues of with like teammates not liking him all that much. So there's a lot of smoke uh, about the situation. And the fact that you had to fire another coach to appease your star, it's probably not a good thing. And I think Nate McMillan got a raw deal. And, you know, we'll see what they do in the offseason. Like DeJounte Murray, I believe, has one more year after this. And then it's I think it's a player option after that. And then they they basically wanted to trade John Collins for like an eternity. And, <laughs> you know, it's a messy situation right now. And they got a new front office where basically the, the owner's son has essentially overtaken the front office. That That's always a great sign. It's it's pure chaos over there right now. And, you know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's good, but I'm not going to say like they're dead in the water, but it's going to be tough for them to get get it together again. Yeah, I'd say it probably takes some time to get rejuvenated into, uh, I guess, I mean, they're they're technically in the playoffs, just uh, not in the right situation, I guess you could say. I mean, hopefully, yeah, sometime they'll figure out how to become in a positive situation, I guess you could say. I think I think they try to trade trade Trey Young this offseason. I feel like it's <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think it'll happen because like the price is gonna be way too high for anybody uh-huh. to be. So but I, I, they should they I, really should explore that option. I was thinking they should blow it up, but then again it's like you have a bunch of young players still that you know are good and maybe try rebuild around them, but I mean then you have Trey. Which yeah, I I'd say I don't think he's the biggest problem, but I don't know. I, I feel like something with Trey has to be fixed in some ways. Maybe his uh, what you call it? What's the word? Personality. Yeah, definitely his personality. I I will say he probably is the big. His probably the biggest problem. Um, just because he is the best player, and the the best player always has that kind of chip not chip on his shoulder always the 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 organization will revolve around him and right now like the organization is in chaos and you know a lot of eyes are on him for you know causing a lot of that chaos but that but he is like he is legitimately one of the most brilliant offensive players i've ever seen so it's almost worth it to put up with this garbage the problem is is the next coach gonna be able to get through to him i don't know Mm. um Speaking, you know, speaking of the speaking of like, you know, the next head coach, like Joe Brunty is the interim head coach right now. But a list has come out, and uh Jordy Fernandez is one of the pers- pr- prospective uh head coach, head coaching candidates for that list. A- another name is uh is uh Kenny Atkinson and Quinn Snyder. And Jordy Fernandez is our assistant coach, is on that list. So thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean that's a pretty big list of coaches that uh, you know, Jordy's in with. So, I mean, I I don't want him to get the job. Not gonna lie, just because I want uh him still as an assistant. But I don't I, want to put this on him either. Honestly, to have to put it to have to put him with Trey. Yeah, <laughs> that too. But uh, if you know if the opportunity comes around, you might as well go for it, right? Yeah, I mean, like you know, you 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 hope the best for Jordy, but 
yeah, I would love to keep him in Sacramento. And yeah, I do not wish Trey Young upon him. So that's just yeah. that's just my opinion. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, out of all those coaches, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say whether or not they'll get to Trey or not. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a players league. Once you lose the once you lose the um star player, you're pretty much done. And like, you know, there were reports like <laughs> Nate McMillan wanted to resign <laughs> like in the middle of the season. Wow. It's just like, my God, how bad is it there? And again, they've done this already. They they fired Lloyd Pierce like two years ago and yeah. turned around the season. So Lord knows maybe Joe Brunty turns around the season. But at the same time, this is not a good precedent to be setting. Oh, no. That was probably the best win of the kings it i don't think it might be i think it is the great the best win of the kings in the last 16 years in terms of stakes in terms of just pure insanity of the shot making the the final score 176 to 175 that was something i would say this is probably the best game i've ever watched in my lifetime and of course, is also the highest scoring game I've watched in all my lifetime because uh, I think the last one was, uh, I forgot which one. There was a high scoring game, but it, it wasn't as high scoring as this. It's, my I, God. The first one that comes to mind is the triple overtime against the Lakers last year, but I think that was in the 140s. This was 170s. Like, this is the second highest scoring game of all time and honestly had they gone to triple overtime probably beats probably beats the record but they, alas they did not get it a triple overtime the kings were able to close it out in the second overtime and the clippers simply ran out of gas and could not uh beat could not you know they could not hold on to the lead the kings just kept coming and yeah, as as we mentioned, the Kings did beat the Clippers on a second night of a back-to-back in double OT against the Clippers, 176 to 175. So what was the game like? Uh, the game started out basically as a shootout, and it was basically all offense. The first quarter, 40 points on each side. Both sides scored 40 points. I don't know if that's ever happened. Uh, and then things started to kind of unravel a little bit. The Clippers simply had, I guess, more offensive talent, especially with their moves at the deadline. And they slowly started to kind of outplay the Kings. And and then in the third quarter, oh, the third quarter, the Kings kept fighting. They played actually very well on offense for the most part, but they could not really get consistent stops. And also the Clippers, they fucking went bonkers from three. For much of the game, the, the Clippers shot over 60% from three and 60% from the field. And one guy that kind of encapsulated all that was Kawhi goddamn Leonard. He could not miss in the third quarter. He had 21 points in the third quarter, and I believe he was 13 of 15 at one point. And, you know, the whole time I'm screaming at the Kings, you got to double him, double, double every single time. They tried that, and he still just stepped back and casually hit a step back three. He was unstoppable, and that was kind of when they got the upper hand and things looked a little dire. Um, you want to? What else did you see from the first three quarters? Uh, I gotta say, <clears throat> uh, Clippers kind of handled the ball a little sloppily. I guess you could say. Uh, 
not to uh, discredit Kawhi, but the rest of the team, they got some crucial turnovers that uh, kind of wet the Kings back in. And I mean, my God, 25 turnovers from the Clippers. And we had, let me check how many steals, because I know, I know we had a lot of steals, 18 steals. That, I don't even know what the record is for steals, but that's a lot. That is indeed a lot. And one of the things I, I hadn't seen the Kings do a lot, played the they played quite a bit of zone and it actually kind of threw off the Clippers a little bit in just kind of the weird spacing of the zone. And like guys just got pick six layups. Like for much of the game, like the Clippers would get a big lead or not a big lead. They would get a lead and then it would evaporate as the Clippers, as you mentioned, just randomly turn it over but a lot of that was kind of the zone just kind of throwing them off they got pick six layups they got runouts and you know they finished and that's kind of how they st- stuck with like kind of stuck in the game from uh, the kings did and yeah like it was a very it was it, like there wasn't much defense being played but the but the small amount of defense that was being played the kings definitely took advantage of like mistakes that the clippers kept making yeah, I mean, the biggest lead that the Clippers ever had was 14, I believe, closer to the fourth quarter, I want to say. And uh, yeah, it was like around there. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a stat I read where the Kings were down six, both in the fourth, first OT and second OT, and still they persevered. <laughs> I believe so. Th- look, so look at it this way. I, ha- I have the play by play. So. So the Kings were down 14 at one point. The what I'm looking at is uh, when they were down 11. So, it, so uh, with 2:56 to go, or yeah, with 3:18 to go, the uh, Kawhi Leonard makes a te- makes a I think a floater or something. Uh, the King, the Clippers go up 11. The Kings proceed to get or the Clippers proceed to turn it over. Fox makes a layup. And for no reason, and then uh, De'Aaron is pressing full court, rips Paul George at half court, makes another layup, and um, Paul George then, for some reason, just throws the pro- throws the pass cross court to Russell Westbrook. Keegan gets a pick six layup. That is within a span of about forty seconds. That that is three turnovers, and then Norman Powell like completes the comeback by just randomly throwing throwing uh De'Aaron Fox down for another turnover and then De'Aaron makes a layup so they the Kings went from down 11 to all of a sudden only down three so that was basically what got the got the uh Kings back in the game and it's a story of the game like the Kings just never stopped fighting and you know again silly mistakes by the Clippers like it in the beginning of the fourth the the Kings bench like nor it's been a weakness of the Kings like they were able to kind of like they were able to keep it steady until the uh until the starters came back in and again like give credit to the Kings's bench but also the Clippers bench just or the or the Clippers in general just doing weird shit to kind of give the game right back to the Kings yeah I I would give credit to Nicholas Batum Powell and Westbrook I would say Westbrook had a huge um game towards the later half in the game before he uh what you would call it you know got his sixth foul but i mean they just got lights out shooting within the paint even in beyond the arc like oh man nicholas batum with that uh corner three he has not missed from the uh, corner until you know 
when it came to overtime until when it really really mattered <laughs> yeah so, so another another stat to just show you how insane the scoring was and how and you mentioned the stats of like the king scored six points down however so the, so the kings had 136 at the 318 mark when Kawhi makes that layup to go up 11 the kings would proceed to score 40 more points <laughs> for the rest of the game so for, for, so there's three minutes left in in the fourth quarter, and then the the extra the the two extra turn the ah, the two extra overtimes. So that's another extra ten minutes. They score forty points in that span. That is how insane this game was. And and to be honest, both teams really wanted it. I mean, it was just pure offense. And not gonna lie, after watching the highlights. They did try on defense, even though a lot of people say, you know, uh, both teams didn't seem like uh, they were trying that much on defense, but they did try. It's just that they hit very, very tough shots over each other. A lot of the shots, like a lot of the threes that the Clippers made, I would, a lot of them were just like, you know what? It is what it is. Like Nick Batum's threes were a, a bit like were a bit more frustrating because like they were wide open, but it was because they needed to double Kawhi or like double PG. And then like some of the shots like they like PG and Kawhi hit, those were just insane. The Clippers made 26 threes this game. And somehow lost. They they ended the game shooting sixty percent from the field and fifty seven point eight percent from three. Like again, a lot of those shots, just nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. Like you just had insane shot making, and else, you know, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring this up later on in the game or later on in the podcast. But Tony Brothers with some of his calls, like really threw off the game, and you know, I. Now, of course, I thought uh, ov- overall, I thought the uh, the refing was pretty bad on both sides. Complain about Tony Brothers all you want; he's consistently bad on both teams <laughs> usually. Yeah, but like I did feel it did. Some of the calls he made were just against the Kings were just so questionable to say the least. Yeah, especially during that second overtime where I'm like, they didn't call anything in our favor at all. Then again, I the, mean the Mezzi, the Mezzi block where he is clearly set. Now, granted, he is kind of shifting his weight a little bit to the right, but like that looked like a charge to me, like the one on PG. And I just, I don't know anymore. It, it was this was one of those games where I was so into it. I legitimately started just you, you heard it, just started screaming at the ref, like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing?" <laughs> well. You know, it is what it is in terms of ref thing. I mean, hopefully <laughs> it doesn't come down to, uh, you know, what that uh, in later games. And luckily, you know, free throws weren't the factor in this game because, yeah, there was what during the fourth, I'd say, uh, Fox missed like one of his free throws every time he gets to the foul line. And that kind of made me a little weary, but, you know, it, kind of fixed himself out when it came to you know the first ot and second ot uh let's talk about the ot like in the ot it was in, on the king's side it was basically the the fox and malik show i i'm not sure if anyone else scored in the ot i think harrison barnes i think had some free throws but yeah it was the fox and malik show and you could tell like fox was gassed like there was that he had he had a, he had two really bad turnovers in the ot's 
and but Malik was there to kind of pick up the slack. Malik had 45 points in this game, the leading scorer for 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 all sides, and he was just steaming hot. And also, like he hit a lot of like pull up threes, a lot of ridiculous threes. What I loved the most about his game, he attacked the basket, just relentless in drawing fouls. And just, you know, being being kind of aggressive and not settling for step back threes, even though he did like he did like shoot quite a few this game and made quite a few. But just him attacking the rim. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I guess him uh, resting in Miami for uh, all of all star break kind of helped him because I was kind of scared of him not, you know, being himself, really, because it's been a while since he's played a like a pretty decent game with us yeah he had a really bad like i think january and february um but like yes basically you know in the past few games he's been really electric and you know and you know he started out this game diving up like sabonis like crazy he was an he was like had you know perfect chemistry with sabonis and now sabonis ended up getting into foul trouble which kind of limited his effectiveness but that Malik started out that way, but then he got steaming hot so much to the point where Mike Brown basically benched Kevin Herter for the second half, essentially, because like Malik was just getting it going so well. Yeah, 21 minutes for Kevin Herter. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Herter, not gonna lie, he played a good game. It's just that, <clears throat> not like Malik, he at least Malik kind of drove to the rim and, like he said, drew those fouls. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's whoever really ends, right? <laughs> that uh, should be the one uh, closing out these games, right? Yeah, I don't think he played bad on offense. I can't speak for his defense, um, but like I, I thought he was fine. I was just surprised he didn't play much at all in the second half. But yeah, um, I, I did. I did forget to mention uh, Monk did hit the three to send it to overtime, and you know, guarded by yours truly, uh, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> but you know, granted, it was like a switching scheme. It wasn't fully his fault, but um. Yeah, so Malik sends it to overtime. In in overtime, Fox and Malik just kept attacking, kept attacking. They would go down like kind of big, like they again, as you mentioned, down six in OT, and then they storm back by just you know getting timely stops, making really timely plays, and getting timely steals to kind of get back into the game. And you know after after tying it up, uh, they go to a second OT. I think Malik, yeah, drove to the rim against Westbrook. Uh, to tie the game so he literally tied the game twice um in, in the final minutes in ot and then in the and then again in the second ot they basically did the same thing they, the kings got down big uh De'Aaron again looked absolutely gassed and just had nothing left but like you know when they needed him he got like you know he got crucial steals he got he got a cru crucial uh pick kind of pick um Basically, he snuck up behind Mason Plumlee, who just caught the ball and just steals it from him, and then hits the go-ahead jumper. Uh, that, but before that, Malik hit a, just a ridiculous, like fading to his right, almost fade away three, um, that to cut the lead to one, and then um, Fox gets that steal and you know comes down the court and hits the hits the go-ahead jumper, and which was basically the game winner. And the Clippers just could not score for the final two possessions and. The Kings pull this one out in LA on a second night of a back-to-back, -back, overcoming 26 threes from the Clippers. 
60% field goal percentage and 31 free throws, uh, free throw makes that is, uh, from the Clippers. And, you know, managed to kind of overcome some Tony Brothers shenanigans. Like this, it, this again, is the best game they have played, the Kings like have played in the last 16 years. Uh, yeah, and I hope we see more of these games because it's it's getting kind of juicy. It's getting to that point where, you know, are the Kings legit? I would say they're right there. This is all just a learning experience, of course, but I mean, we just got to keep it up and, you know, keep playing these games and hopefully winning in the, not in this kind of sense, because I don't think they would ever want to go to a double overtime ever again, but just keep on persevering, I guess you could say. Yeah, and for, for the sake of the fans, this game was stressful. Like yeah. all the way until the very end. I could not believe the Kings had won this one. I again I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front. Like I had given up hope for like when they went down eleven when they went down double digits, I thought it was done. But they kept fighting. They they never gave up. And then like they go they go down six in OT. I'm like, okay, that's a that's a cute story. And, you know, but this is still one of the best games I've seen in a long time. But like, you know, good good effort by the Kings, but you know, they kept coming back, they kept fighting. This 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 is a statement game. It really does tell them that these guys are playoff ready. Like there's not there's no excuses anymore. They like they're gonna they're gonna play whoever's in front of them, and it's not gonna be an easy game. They are not a, the kings of past of of the past. They are they are they're ready. Like that that's what that's what it is. Oh yeah, and we shall see who we will be facing in the first round. <laughs> We shall see. It, it might be this team, and you know, seven games of this, man, <laughs> that 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 would be up. That would be juicy to say the mm, least. Oh yeah. Uh, let's just quickly go over some of the individual players. Um, uh, Sabonis, I thought was really good for stretches, but just foul trouble. Some of the really awful calls, like his his third and fourth foul, were just what? Like, and the fourth foul, they try to challenge that. It basically what happened was like Nicholas Batum. Or he's trying to screen Nicholas Batum, and Sabonis is trying to get out the way, but he just happens to kind of run into uh, Nick Batum, and for some reason they call that an offensive foul on. Yeah, it was just bad. And then his fifth foul was just kind of the same thing, and then the sixth foul was just total bullshit. I hate that kind of foul where it's the James Harden. I'll hook your arm. I'll 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 hook your arm, and then I'll also get free throws on top of that. Just the most bullshit kind of ref ref game for Sabonis I've seen in a while. Yeah, I was kind of scared when Sabonis was out, especially during those overtimes, because, I mean, Sabonis is the engine to our offense. And, uh, I mean, without him, I mean, I, I didn't expect much of ball movement, but, I mean, give credit to Fox. He, he did his best to draw in a lot of defenders and, you know, pass out to the open man. Yeah, I mean... You know, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to like you know his sub later on Metsu. I thought he was really good, but yeah, like Sabonis does struggle against like lengthy teams like the Clippers. But he has stretches where like you know he just kind of used his teammates to create for him, and it was beautiful, dominant basketball. But it's just the the foul trouble that he was in was just oh, this game was one of the most frustrating ones for him. Mm, oh yeah. 
Uh, Barnes didn't have a great box score, one for six from the field for 11 points, but he did get to the free throw line in in a lot of situations where the Kings were about to get like you know blown out of the gym. He got to the free throw line and kind of slowed the game down and to stop the bleeding. And he he drew like the, some of the we talk about like some of the really iffy calls. I'll be I'll I'll say he gets some if he calls too where where he expertly draws the contact on guys like in o in in the second OT like he got he had some crucial free throws again down six he just kind of went to work like they went to him in the post he drew fouls and again just kind of kept the Kings right in there and not letting the game game get out of hand so credit to him for that oh yeah I mean pretty much I guess you could say after <laughs> just uh over uh whatchamacallit uh got those calls, I guess. Yeah, and so and they needed it. Like the Kings needed every single free throw from him and he mm-hmm. delivered. Oh yeah. Uh, Murray, I thought played some good defense. He had some really nice moments, including a, a incredible coast to coast dunk. You know, Mike Brown had a had had an inter did an interview, uh, or I think earlier in the day, saying like he wants Keegan to put like dribble more. Like he needs to get more of a handle. Like why? Like don't be so hesitant. Like don't always pick up the ball and look to pass to some to like other people. And yeah, I think he listened to that message. <laughs> he he had a yeah. He just had that that great uh, coast to coast dunk, and you know he put the ball on the ball lo- on the floor a little bit more, but. Against Paul George and Kawhi, you probably don't want to do that. But yeah, he was. I thought he was really good this game. Yeah, I'd say his defense is pretty good as well. Even though uh, you know he was guarding Kawhi at times, and I mean it's Kawhi. He shot over Murray pretty easily, and Murray kept his hand up and you know hand to his face, still makes it. There was nothing that anyone could have done against Kawhi like during during that third quarter stretch they they tried to double team him and he still just hit it like in guys' face and yeah like Kawhi is gonna get to his spots and you know you you just have to hope like he misses and or and or gasses out like there's nothing you can really do sometimes and I thought but I thought Keegan did well mm-hmm. oh yeah uh De'Aaron Fox like what what else is there to say Mr. Clutch you know, he did his thing despite being absolutely gassed in OT. He still found a way to just make plays and again hit the hit basically the game-winning bucket. He finds a way to, you know, affect the game and also doesn't force it. Like, you know, he when when he was like gas when he was like getting gassed, like he was looking to Malik. Like Malik had the hot hand. And, you know, he's he like looked, he kind of always kept looking for him, trying to set him up and yeah, like again, just he knows like when he like what he needs to do, and he always delivers. It feels like, yeah, and also Mister DPOG of the game. Yes, very much. Like again, a lot of like deflections, and you know that pick six, that pick, not not even a pick six. He just ripped Paul George at half court, kind of started started the comeback uh, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, like I I really I'm really starting to like dig his defense, like his on ball, like you know hounding. Like I just wish he would do it a little bit more often, but I, I get that I get as uh, tiring to do that. But like he really turns it on, like in the fourth quarters. Yeah, it definitely got the rest of the team like going in terms of you know trying to get those picks because I remember Fox trying to get a pick again from I believe it was Kawhi, didn't work out. Kawhi or PG kind of passed it in and tried to give it to Plumley, uh, and Plumley passed it out to. Uh, 
whatchamacallit, Nick Batum for the three, but, you know, Metu was there to intercept that, and, you know, pretty nice. And I would like I would like to get some truth serum from Chemezi. Did he meet? Did he actually read that, or was he, did he just happen to be in position? Because I, I rewatched that. I cannot figure out if he tried to do that, or if he mm. just happened to be there. But we'll, we'll we'll get to we'll get to Chemezi in a bit. But yeah, the like we all we always talk about like you know Fox's fourth quarter scoring, like how he turns it on. But like not enough not enough is said about how he turns it on on defense too. Like. He's got multiple versions of that kind of like pick pick your pocket at the at half court, like against Jalen Green in the Rockets game. Like he can really just he can really like dial it up to eleven. It just doesn't happen as often as I would like. Yeah, I guess it depends on you know a game to game basis, but I mean we saw pretty much I want to say hundred percent Fox this game. Uh, Kevin Herter, as I said, I thought he had a good game on offense. Like he hit three for seven uh, from three, which is pretty good. Like, especially considering how he's been playing lately. But, you know, again, I, with Malik just playing so well, I assume Mike Brown, like just, I'm just going to go with the hot hand right now. And yeah, Herter only 22 minutes this game, or you said 23, but like, just, yeah. I, it, I mean, at least like, he's not like sulking over it. He's, he's, you know, he's off the bench. He's dapping up his teammates it's good to see even like when he's you know when he's not playing like he's his spirits are still high that's good to see oh yeah the most definitely um talk talk about the bench i thought they really came through this game especially early in the fourth when fox and sabonis wasn't in the game they managed to actually like cut the clipper lead like go and kind of keeping the kings in the game yeah i mean everyone hit their shots uh to be honest, I still don't expect much from the bench, uh, you know, when it comes to these types of games. But, I mean, they hit crucial shots. And, of course, I mean, we pretty much carried the bench's points uh, throughout the game. Um, Trey Lyles, I thought, just did his usual thing. There was one layup. It's funny thinking back where he kind of, like, it's a fast break layup. And he just smoked it where he couldn't decide whether to dunk it or lay it in. And what ended up happening was he just essentially like very awkwardly dunked it on the back rim and like it just <laughs> missed. Other than that, I thought he was really good. I, I will say like, you know, like him, I, I thought he was, I after Sabonis fouled out, I thought he was going to be the one that closes. But no, instead, Chemezi Metu was the one that closed. And I, you know, both of us like kind of had a side eye on that. I was like, really? You're really going to close with Metu over Lyles? But Metsu, like, kind of justified it. He was overall really good. Now, he, he did get bodied uh, on a rebound in OT by Nicholas Batum. And uh, his deep his defense, his defensive rotations, I think, are still pretty bad. Like, he's just not in position a lot of the time. But he provided terrific energy. And he got, he rebounded the shit out of the ball. Like, got, he had four offensive rebounds. And all of them were crucial. Oh, yeah, especially on that Fox miss in OT. Uh, I mean, pretty much put back dunk and uh, whatchamacallit. It was an one. That, I mean, sadly, he missed that free throw. But other than that, along with that, uh, you know, the steal that we were talking about, I mean, he played <laughs> his heart out as well. Yeah, I mean, again, like, even though we both had our side eye just looking at the decision to play him over Miles, again, he justified it. 
and mm-hmm. he, he provided the energy and like you and you didn't even mention like the 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 malik monk miss i think uh in ot like with i think 20 seconds to go he rebounded the miss and it led to malik attacking westbrook for the foul and to um to tie the game so again just every single one of those offensive rebounds were so crucial and he had some really great tip outs like again just creating new possessions for the kings oh yeah Davion, I thought was pretty good. Like he actually had a decent offensive game. Like you know, two for three from uh from from three, and pro- and you know again just did just provided really good defense overall. Um, you know it's it, he just doesn't play enough to have like a huge effect on the game, but he did his job when he was out there. You can always rely on him to do that. Yeah, sadly this is a lengthy team. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, from the time that he was out there, I mean. I want to say he was just guarding Westbrook or Norman Powell, but I mean, when he was out there, they weren't out there, sadly. So it was kind of like a jumbo when it came to that. But, you know, I thought I thought he did a good job. Also had three assists. So, yeah, just an overall good game from him. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is. He always seems to end in the negatives for some reason, even though I thought he played really well. Yeah. Now that I noticed the bot score, I mean, everyone got a steal pretty much that we're I was I want to say pretty crucial to this game. Uh, besides Malik, I, I thought Malik got a steal. It probably it's weird how steals were. I thought Davion got more than one steal, but like he, I feel like he deflected the ball like a lot too, and mm-hmm. it just they just didn't count it. The way they count steals sometimes is weird. Yeah. Um, TD did TD things. He took some let's just say bold threes, but he did hit hit them. Uh, two for three this game. And yeah, both of them were very crucial makes. Yeah, can't be mad about that. And and you know, Malik Monk had the best game of his career. Started up diming up Sabonis, and then shifted to you know you know attack mode like you know like ultra attack mode. I guess I, I don't know I don't know what I don't know what else to say. Attack the rim <laughs> relentlessly. He hit. He was six for twelve from three too. So that's actually big. But again, him attacking the rim as relentlessly as he did what I thought was the difference this game. Yeah, and also drawing those fouls, too, because uh, it was pretty dire when we couldn't make up something, but we had Malik just driving in and making something. Yeah, just an absolute masterpiece from him and Fox to you know bring it home in overtime. I I, I still can't figure out who scored in overtime, so other than <laughs> those two. so Oh, yeah. All right, shifting over to the Clippers, I thought uh, PG was oh, pretty good this game. He had a bunch of threes, and Drew a lot of cheap fouls. The, the Sabonis yeah. 6 1 was very, very frustrating. He did sit out the second OT due to a minutes restriction. So he, on, he only played 41 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, it would have helped the Clippers a little more if he did play that second OT. But then again, I mean, what, was he coming from an injury or something? Uh, I don't know. It just feels like they're eternally injured. I don't know what it is anymore. I, I mean, they are gonna play. Uh, was it Denver tonight? Uh tomorrow no? actually. So I was oh, actually oh. wrong. I thought it was tonight. Oh, I see. So you know, they they got a day's rest. <laughs> Why not? You know, give PG a minute or two in the second overtime. Well, um, let let's shift over to his uh, co-star. Kawhi was just insane during this game. Again, started out, I believe thirteen for fifteen. And again, 21 points in the third quarter, eight for eight during that period. 
And the Kings tried everything. Like they they tried double teaming him. They tried single coverage with him, which that was a disaster. And yeah, he basically just single handedly kept the kept the Kings like at bay for much of that third quarter. And you know, despite all that though, he really did run out of gas in the fourth quarter and overtime. Like his shots were like noticeably short. Like for much of the, for like uh, much of the fourth quarter and. Uh, OT. He just didn't have anything left. Yeah, I gotta say, for that very, very last play, I would have liked to see Kawhi hit that last shot, to be honest. I mean, give credit to Norman Powell for trying to make up something and then passing it to Nick Patoon, which I, I felt like they had a little more time to, you know, give it to a better man for the open shot, but I mean, it is what it is, really. By the way, that little final play, Norman Powell, like, if he just shot, if he tried to shoot it, I'm pretty sure he would have drawn the foul on Fox. I, so I know. Kind of really, <laughs> like, not smartly jumped up. Um, it, Yeah, that that was that was just kind of a boneheaded play. He had an opening to throw to Kawhi and probably should have, but it, it is what it is. I, I'm not mad about that, so. Oh, no. Uh, But, yeah, like, even though uh, Kawhi was gas, he, he actually still made defensive plays. Like you know, his he had a he had a, a block on uh, De'Aaron in, in the second OT where like De'Aaron like just went down the court and tried to casually flip in a floater, and Kawhi said, "No, sir, not over my hands." So, yeah, yeah, he just he just ran out of gas. I thought toward, towards the end, but yeah, he was he had a masterful game. Yeah, pretty much played the most minutes out of, I think, both teams. 46. Jesus. Yeah, and that's Kawhi, too. So, I expect him to sit out probably the next game, honestly. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that we'll see how that goes. Um, Russ, it's his first game. I thought he was overall pretty good. Like, he, you know, he's creating. He didn't try to do too much for most of the game. There were moments where it's just he did Russ things. Um, but but did have did have seven turnovers, even though I didn't think it was that high. But I thought overall, like it's a decent enough Russ game, and he was not the reason why the Kings lost this game or why the Clippers lost this game. No, definitely uh, had really good Russ possessions. I guess you could say. I mean, there was only one like blown layup where I was like, eh. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, he made some, you know good rust shots i'd say and i mean those 14 assists really helped those clippers up yeah i'm 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 actually am interested uh to see just how he fits in like i don't know if he plays in crunch time in the playoffs honestly he he, he just does things that just make you pull your hair out if you're a clippers fan but overall like he is very good uh, he i thought he was good this game he's a, he's a creator he he changes the pace of the of the game and you know creates easy shot for his teammates. You just just wish he would just you know temper down on some of the bullshit things he does. But we'll see how it turns out. Oh yeah, uh, Batum couldn't miss from three for basically all, the entire game up until the fourth. He was a menace on defense. Um, he like despite not being all that quick, but like just a really smart defender and just really annoying. But he had a good game. He just couldn't really buy a bucket in uh in OT. Yeah, I didn't expect him to make that many threes uh, up until the, you know, like you said, the fourth because it was pretty much the same old shot. And I mean, credit to the Kings, we tried to you know defend it the best we could, but it just went in. 
Okay, well, that does it for all the players. Um, yeah, just one of the craziest games. The Kings overcame a lot to win a, a very important game, not just for the standings. They are now one and a half games uh, behind the Grizzlies for uh, for the second spot. We'll see how that turns out. And you know they're you know they're, they're building just a teeny bit of a cushion between them and the four seed right now. Now two games above Phoenix. Um, and, you know, like, historically, it, I think it means a lot more. And, you know, like, this is going to be one of those games where we're going to look back like this is where the Kings showed that they belong to the playoff race, that this isn't just a fluky, like, you know, just it's not like a fluky position that they're in. Uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean, it's going to be a tough schedule ahead uh, because, I mean, When's our next game? Actually, I should have searched that up. Tomorrow um, against the Thunder. Oh, I say tough. <laughs> I mean. No, they're a tough team. Yeah. I don't want to underestimate them. You never, I don't know if they're ever going to throw in the towel, but Shea is, we saw him live. He was, he's nice and he's not going to go down easy. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, they're also a young team, up and coming. All of them. I like all of those players in OKC. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, for the rest of the season, because it's it's a tough schedule for sure. Uh, so okay. Um, so just some quick news. Unfortunately, uh, in the midst of all this, uh, the Kings did waive Casey Apala, who will be having season-ending knee surgery. I've I've read that that's pretty much the reason why, because they do need another healthy body. So they signed PJ Dozier in place of him, and uh. Yeah, I oh. hope KZ has a has a has a good recovery and hope he's able to find another spot. Um, maybe on this team next year, who knows? But I hope he finds a spot. I actually did enjoy his time here uh, as a king. Yeah. Oh, gee, really? Due to a knee injury, huh? Some uh, bilateral like sort bilateral knee soreness. I don't know what that means, but that's what I read. Oh, that sucks. And I actually didn't <laughs> think that PJ Dozier was even available as well. Yeah, we signed him on two ten days, but we didn't hear anything about that. But he will be signed for the rest of the season. Oh, I see. Huh. Okay, then. Sure. And uh, I, you know, to not close out on a bummer. Uh, on the back of this game, the Kings get another national t- uh TV game. So on uh the ninth, March 9th, against the Knicks at home, that game will now be broadcast on TNT. So the Kings get another national game much well-deserved one because a lot of people were complaining that why was uh sons versus thunder on espn and not this game (laughs) i imagine the nba regretted that to say the least so the kings will be on tnt on the night against the knicks at home oh well that'll be a fun game because it seems like all the whatchamacallit national televised games that the kings play so far have been really good games i'd say Yep, the last one was uh, the Nets, where we destroyed them. So yeah, <laughs> that's the Kevin Durant um, um, Nets, by the way. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, well, very well deserved. Just an absolutely insane game. Really happy I saw it. We were both stressed to the max. Yeah, like just a, a great statement game, and you know, bringing the good vibes right now because the Kings. I think they're, they're making the postseason and they're going to have home court advantage. I'm going to say that right now. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, our home court, 
my God. I haven't heard a, a wild crowd since, you know, the Detroit game, but I mean, it's going to get wilder when it comes to playoffs. Yes, and I will be trying to reserve tickets as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you want to quickly talk about? Well, let's keep this up. You know, maintain our third seed for hopefully a lot longer than we should be. I mean, it's well-deserved for sure, but I mean, <laughs> I'm just uh, that surprised that the Kings uh, had this kind of, you know, heart in them to uh, play these type of games. It's a, it's a different team. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this one. Uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Yeah, we'll see you guys later.